0: is Liren Baker and welcome to the Kitchen Confidant Podcast. Today, we're chatting with Chef Ariel Fox. You may know her as the fiercely competitive and well-loved winner of Hell's Kitchen in Season 18 and as a guest judge on Food Network. Off screen, she is the Regional Vice President of Culinary for Landry's at Los Caminos and Del Frisco's. She recently released her latest book, Spice Kitchen, Healthy Latin and Caribbean Cuisine. I am so excited to welcome Ariel to the podcast. Hey, Ariel. Hey, how are you? Thank you for having me. I am so happy to meet you. I should have asked you this before we got on our call, but is it Ariel or Ariel? How do you prefer to be called? Well, my given name was Ariel
1: Maria Contreras Fox, but you can just call me Ariel Fox.
0: Okay. I grew up in a Filipino household, so I also have that very lengthy name, so I love hearing everyone's full names. Okay. So I always start by asking, what's the first thing you ever cooked and about how old were you?
1: Oh my gosh. Good question. I mean, it would have to probably be something I was baking with my grandmother, cookies or pie of some sort. But I mean, I feel like I remember being in the kitchen for as long as I can remember. I was always helping.
0: Was your grandmother the one who primarily taught you how to cook or did everyone was everyone in your family a good cook?
1: Everyone was involved. I have a few grandmothers. I have, uh, you know, my grandmother on my my Afro-Columbian side. Um, you know, that's that was actually in Colombia. And then we have my grandmother on my mother's side, which is my Irish and
0: German side. And then my
1: mother's a great cook. So I really had a lot of worldly influences at a very young age.
0: Oh, I love to hear. I love hearing that. And I'd love to know more about your upbringing and A little bit more about what brought you to the world of professional kitchens in the first place.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I had a kind of a a crazy early childhood. I mean, I was born in San Francisco, California, but uh, my father lived in Colombia. And and that's where my mother and and bio father met. And so we, you know, we lived in South America uh, when I was very young. Uh, And then we came back to the States when they split when I was about, you know, uh, five years old. And then enter, uh, I have a stepfather who is actually, um, he's also Black from New Jersey. So I have a lot of those culinary influences from his family's influence in my life as well. Um, but I would have to say professionally, uh, I really kind of piqued my interest in high school when I started working uh, on an organic farm. Um, and I was selling vegetables to chefs at the San Francisco farmer's market. And I think that's really when um you know, I, I realized, oh, did people actually do this, you know, for a living. It wasn't what I was going to school for at the time, but it was starting to, you know, kind of become a thing in the back of my head.
0: Hmm. What was the alternate career path for you? <laughs> well, I went to school in high school. I was in a math academy and,
1: and really interested in science and math. And, and, uh, I was going to community college, community college, just, you know, working on the regular, uh, degree right out the gate, hadn't finalized what I was gonna end up at. And then I just pivoted completely and told my parents, hey, I want to go to culinary school instead two years in.
0: <laughs> oh, gosh, it's hard. It's hard when you're young. And I feel like there's so much pressure to know what you are supposed to do. I've I've got a daughter who's kind of going through that right now. And I totally identify with that struggle. And um, but to also know, I think at a pretty young age that you wanted to go to culinary school is is great, and I can only imagine the influence that working on a farm had for you. Um, before we talk about your book, I have to just touch on Hell's Kitchen because, <laughs> of course, my <laughs> husband and I are fans, we've watched many seasons, and I think it takes a special person to enter a competition, not alone win it or let alone win it. So, what was the secret to your success, do you think, in that competitive environment?
1: Uh, I mean, I think the first time I competed, I I didn't really have a secret. I think that I was, I think I was strong enough and willful enough and skilled enough to make it as far as I did, but I don't think that I was mature enough um, or confident enough yet. I think I was 25 when I first filmed. Um, So I made it pretty far, uh, but I didn't have what it takes to win at that point, because I think you need a lot more under, I mean, there's a lot of young winners who win, well before 25 as well. But for me personally, I didn't have the confidence that, hey, I'm really good at this and this is what I do. And that came with the 10 years between the two seasons of Mm -hmm. me really kind of being disappointed that I didn't win and really kind of pushing myself along the way for the next 10 years. And when I got that call to come back, I think it was just kind of like, oh, I'm I'm coming back. All right. And Mm. coming back and I'm going to win. And it's a different when you walk in, you know, with a game plan. Competing is tough, man. You got to you can't walk in without a plan. You have to have a plan. My secret's always been know what you want to do every day no matter what ingredients are going to be in front of you, whatever mystery basket or whatever, you know, curveball you're going to get thrown, you know, decide that day a couple things that you you are going to do no matter what they throw at you and and it it kind of works in your advantage that way.
0: I would imagine that having that farm experience and with all the produce at such a young age probably helped you a lot in terms of curveballs that you were served, not just on the show, but every day in your culinary yeah. life.
1: No, um, definitely. I mean, Cal- well, just California in general is already a, a mecca of of produce, but to... You know, my family was very world. We traveled a lot, so we already ate lots of different things. The seasonality, the the stuff that you're exposed to, and then of course, yeah, just touching all of those different organic vegetables. Um, you know, I definitely had a comfort level. It's funny today, even sometimes I'll have a, a you know new cooks come in and they've you've never seen, you know, a turnip or or just some something that I'm just like I don't understand that because I was very exposed. But it's interesting, um, you know, there's an opportunity still to really teach every day about about ingredients, because you have to remember every day, it's someone's first time seeing there's someone out there who's seen something for the first time.
0: Yeah, and you get to influence that palette, and hopefully convince them that it's delicious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the recipes that you share in Spice Kitchen are all about a healthy take on Latin and Caribbean favorites. What inspired this approach to your cooking? Have you always cooked this way?
1: No, I mean, I, I mean, I wouldn't say that I was necessarily an unhealthy eater. I mean, like I said again, growing up in California in a quote-unquote kind of granola town <laughs> of Santa Cruz, I think I definitely was raised a little healthier than the average bear. Um, but you know, when I was in my twenties and, and I just kind of, I didn't really think about it that much, but as you get older, um, you know, you you start thinking about your health. You start thinking about what makes you feel good and, and how to have more energy when you're trying to fit more things in a day. That's what the uh, mm-hmm. the youth of today doesn't understand when they get out of school, like the amount of multitasking and the, the, the world is just a different place now and being a mom and that you need to find, it's not just about losing weight. It's not about being skinny. Right. It's about, um, I mean, you will be in better shape if you eat better, but it's more about, what makes you mentally more aware. Uh, there are foods that make you happier. There are foods that will give you more energy throughout the day, when you eat, what you eat. So um, really my approach was, was I, I think in my 20s, it was like, okay, when in my late 20s, when I started thinking about this, when I was turning 30, it was like, okay, I want to eat healthy. So I just ate one thing. It was like, I would eat quinoa salads and smoothies and like very, you know, robotic healthy foods. Um, and I started missing all of the flavor. So it was kind of like, how do I still enjoy all of these flavors? Uh, but, you know, stay true to the new lifestyle that I'm trying to live. And that's how this was born.
0: Yeah, I think one of the creative things that you do um, in place of, let's say, something that might be heavier or creamier is that you use cauliflower as, you know, a nice creamy base, which I think is a super smart and healthy way yeah. To transform some recipes. Yeah, um, definitely.
1: And cashews too is crazy. Mm-hmm. Like you, you, nobody realizes if you blend, you know, nuts don't just make nut milk. If you blend nuts, you can get this rich, thick, uh, textured substance that literally works the same way that a heavy cream or a cream cheese would work.
0: Yeah. So I love that the recipes are very true in flavor, but are there any family recipes that have crept their way into your book?
1: Oh, definitely. I mean, I, you know, I even say in some of them, it's like, you don't have to do the the healthier version. One of the things I love about this book and a lot of the recipes that are so useful are there's a lot of sauces mm-hmm. and dressings that snuck their way in it, it more than usual in, in a cookbook, I think. And I did notice that. and <laughs> And I, I kind of realized I was like, wow, this is almost like I found myself using my copy of the book to like, reference as my recipe because they're, you know, they're on recipe cards in my kitchen, but I was like, now nah, I can just grab my own book for this dressing or that dressing or this sauce or that. So it's really cool because all of those are really kind of the family things, the sauces, the dressings, the, but um, the small tweaks. And you can really, you don't even have to use them in the recipe that they're linked to. We've sort of extracted them out so that they're, you know, their own little thing. And if you want to use the papaya dressing for your salad tonight or the the mojo sauce for your shrimp, you can really kind of use them interchangeably.
0: So Yeah, I I was definitely looking through all the sauces and I was thinking, oh, this would be so good on this, 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 you know, there's so many applications, which I love, which is sort of like the gift that keeps on giving beyond the book. Um, Your book actually starts out with pantry essentials, which I really, really appreciate. And one thing that stood out to me was the variety of flours that you keep on hand, because I already know and love almond and cassava flour. But can you tell us more about banana flour and coconut flour? Because I feel like those aren't as well known. Yeah. So, I mean, some of them are, for example,
1: coconut flour is definitely a moisture sucker, right? So Mm -hmm. it's what I like about it is it's very fine and it doesn't have a mealy texture that sometimes if you don't really grind your almond flour um, you still get kind of a different texture than you would with flour coconut flour is really fine so i like it for the application of um you know pancakes or certain cakes because when you're eating a sponge style cake you don't want to go from what you're used to which is like soft and smooth to grainy and and <laughs> nutty right so yeah. but i mean they're they're um those flowers like to suck up moisture so one of the things i like to know when people are using them is that don't be alarmed you're batter or your dough is going to look drier than usual but once it, you know it hits the pan like the pancake batter when it hits the pan with the fat it's going to start fluffing up and cooking or when you put it in the oven it don't worry it will fluff up and cook so i mean there there is some getting used to with the with the coconut flours and the banana flours and once you play around with them you kind of get used to the texture. But it's nice to to be able to have a variety beyond what everyone knows, you know, the almond flour.
0: Yeah. Speaking of pancakes, your cassava sourdough pancakes look incredible. Can you just Thank tell you. everyone a little bit more about that recipe and why it looks so good? <laughs> yeah, that's,
1: that's one of those recipes where I definitely had to note, like, don't be alarmed by the texture because it's not going to look like you know, like a real uh, loose, wet pancake batter. It's almost going to look borderline like a really soft cookie dough Mm. when it's in the bowl. But um, when you put them in the pan, they just they fluff up beautifully in there. It's just this really fluffy, but kind of crispy on the outside uh, pancake, which I'm really fond of because it it kind of has that cast iron uh, Dutch baby texture on the outside, but soft on the inside. And you know, I love uh, sourdough. I still keep a sourdough starter. Don't get me wrong. I haven't mm-hmm. completely eliminated it from my world. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is a great substitute using the, the sourness from yogurt to get that sour flavor that you're looking for in a, in a wheat-based sourdough starter.
0: Yeah, I have been known to kill a sourdough starter in the past. <laughs> so this is a perfect alternative for me. And, hey, yogurt's also healthy and yep. a nice addition. So... I actually want to talk about plantains for a bit because growing sure. up, my mom would take them, she would fry them, um, and then just sprinkle sugar on them. So I loved seeing ingredients like plantains on there. Can you tell everyone about, is it Kayaye? Oh, yes.
1: Yeah. So, so, I mean, every, uh, not every, but a lot of different Latin uh, cultures have their version. So, I mean, it's, it's really essentially, you know, uh, Dominican is a Mangu, uh, Puerto Rico is a Mofongo. So Calle is uh, the Colombian version mm, okay, it? And, it, and it's a breakfast plantain mash and, and it really, uh, it's nice nicely paired with the eggs and usually the this you get a sweetness against the spiciness of the salsa that you choose um but i mean ultimately it's so funny how so how many similarities there are through the cultures um Mm -hmm. but just you know go by a different name and a slightly different execution but yeah it's essentially the colombian mofongo
0: yeah (laughs) Well, speaking of that diaspora, you know, the Cuban-raised oxtails brought back... I know that you ran down all the different iterations of oxtails, you know, in in the different cuisines and, of course, in the Philippines, too, the is, you know, our beloved version. Um, But I love how you serve your oxtails over pumpkin fufu, and I thought that probably is just mouthwateringly amazing. I think that'd be perfect for fall. so is that a normal pairing with the pumpkin or, or not? Um, I mean, I, I haven't found it to be, but pumpkin I've
1: really embraced because, you know, rice, I try to not have so much rice. I mean, my kids love rice to death. I guess it's their their father's, you know, Puerto Rican boy. <laughs> it's rice, 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 rice. But I definitely, you know, I love butternut squash in the fall. And, but it, a lot of people don't realize that, butternut squash has a lot more sugar content, and carbs, than pumpkin does. Mm-hmm. And pumpkin has a few other minerals and vitamins that butternut squash doesn't have, but it cooks the same, it eats the same, and it gives you that same sort of, um, if you add the right spice and sweetness to it, it brings everything out. So all the spices in the oxtail jus against the pumpkin, it just pairs really, really nicely. And I, I, I honest to God, it's not just because it's healthier. I actually like the way it tastes better than eating them over a bowl of rice.
0: Yeah, it's almost like, well, I don't know if this is not the right way to say it, but almost like a polenta. Yes, <laughs> you it know? Is. Yeah, it is, it definitely is. So you grew up in Santa Cruz most of your life. How has that informed your cooking day to day? I mean, is the is the cooking in the book kind of how you cook day to day or do you still pull from you know your experiences in your childhood? Oh
1: yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't cook like this every day. Um, you know, I would say that a lot of the, the mornings and the cooking on the go stuff is very reminiscent of growing up in Santa Cruz. I mean, I, I I think I I have a few, or I know I have a few plates in there in the morning section that will really kind of depict more of like what I eat daily Mm -hmm. uh, because I'm not cooking a sit down, you know, dinner every night. You know, it's a lot of times, honestly, you know, I've got to feed the kids at five, but we're not ready to eat at five. And, you know, so there's moving parts when you're, you're different careers and the household, but the morning is kind of true to my eating habits. You know, I, I love, avocado. I probably eat avocado every single day. Same. Same. <laughs> but one way or another, shape or form, whether it's a half an avocado with just some sea salt and lemon, or if it's on a, a, a crisp bread, um, you know, so that kind of the 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 salad section I would say is very reminiscent of my childhood in Santa Cruz. I mean, salads are everything. I met people when I moved to the East Coast that like I was so blown away. I'm like, you don't have a salad with every meal? Isn't that like, part of your dinner plate? Is a salad? You right. Know? It's not. Oh, a meat and a starch and no salad? I don't understand. Like how how do you eat like this? So yeah,
0: I'm laughing because I grew up. In, I have the reverse path as you. I grew up in New York and then I moved to the Bay Area. And yeah, I have adopted the avocado everyday yeah. thing and <laughs> salads all the time. So seeing your salad section in your cookbook, I was like, okay, I'm making all of those because it's just, it's just good to add to the rotation. And, yeah. um, and we're just lucky out here because the produce is so nice. Oh, I know. I know. Um, I miss it sometimes
1: when I'm writing menus, <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute. I was writing a menu the other day with nasturtium leaves. I was like, wait, we can't um, get those all the time over here? I don't understand. Yeah,
0: I guess that's, I didn't even think about that. But all those edible yummy flowers yeah. are probably much harder to source there. So I, you were talking about being a mom and juggling. So I have to ask you, because being a chef today, it's not just about cooking anymore. You have to be comfortable doing PR like you're doing right now and social media and, and so much more. So how do you feel about these added facets to your job? I mean, it's
1: it's uh, I'm at the point now where I'm not, you know, in a single unit. Um, So it's it's easier and harder at the same time. Right. I'm not uh, stuck or or locked in, I should say, to a uh, specific schedule and a specific restaurant, you know, Um, So there's some more flexibility, but with more flexibility, you uh, have a harder time drawing boundaries because, you know, (laughs) someone who has a schedule of, you know, 10 to 8, okay, that's your schedule. You leave, you change your clothes, you go home, right? But when you don't have a schedule and you're running a lot of stores and you've got your own personal chef you know, cookbook on the side and all this stuff. It's like, there is no, there's no boundary drawing. So it's tough sometimes to not get lost in the, like, you know, feels sometimes like you're working all All the time. All (laughs) the time. Yeah but i just think it's important in this day and age as a chef especially if you are in the mom role whatever that is uh dad role mom role whatever you're doing um it's important to to establish boundaries for yourself and decide you know when it's time when it's family time when it's this time when am i going to dedicate time for stuff for the book when am i dedicating social media time when am i doing this and so on um otherwise i don't know how anyone would <laughs> survive you know it's it's a it's a different different time for sure
0: it is well since you do have such a public platform what do you want people to know about latin caribbean hispanic cuisine
1: i just i want people to know that you know don't be afraid to dabble Uh, you don't have to dive all in i think that there's a lot of beautiful things and I think that I wanted to introduce them to everyone and they don't have to do everything. They don't, they can, like I said, you know, maybe there's a sauce in there that you decide to start serving with the same chicken that you've been making for 20 years, but Mm -hmm. now you got another option to put with it or a side dish, or maybe just something healthy to eat in the morning. And I wanted people to know that this cuisine, you know, there's, it's underrepresented. I think uh, right now. And it's emerging a little bit more, but I, I think that it's important for people to have an opportunity to to dabble a little bit.
0: Absolutely. Ariel, I enjoyed talking to you. I have a few closing questions before sure. I let you go. So what's something that you make when you're too tired to cook and you need an emergency go-to dinner?
1: Oh my gosh. Um, probably it's like <laughs> spaghetti squash mm-hmm. with like a simple... Tomato sauce. I can yeah. make tomato sauce. It's like a pasta, you know, mm-hmm. but I can make that in probably 10 minutes.
0: And I bet your kids throw, love it too.
1: Yeah. You can throw <laughs> it together and just, you know, just shave a little cheese on it. And it's just like I'm eating a big bowl of pasta. Are you baking
0: hot. the spaghetti squash or are you putting in the microwave?
1: I put in the microwave. Uh, I put in the microwave for about five, six minutes, open it up, and then just a quick uh, yeah. pan roast. Very good.
0: What's the one recipe that you treasure the most?
1: Oh, that's so hard.
0: I know. (laughs) That's why I ask it.
1: (laughs) It's so hard to pick one. I mean, oh gosh. I mean, I just had a party the other day. I love my pozole recipe. It's one of my
0: favorites. So good. So comforting. Um, I I guess I know the answer to this, but are you a messy cook or a neat cook?
1: You know what? Oddly, when I'm at work, I'm very clean because I'm leading by example and cleaning as I go. But when I'm at home, I'm very messy. I'm just gonna be honest. Yeah.
0: It's, that's comforting for my me. My husband doesn't know how I
1: use a sink full of dishes for every meal. It doesn't matter what I do. There's always a sink full. Of, I clean it. I clean it up every time. But yeah.
0: I Somehow, know. I managed
1: to use multiple things. Isn't
0: that amazing how you yes. can just generate so much mess from something so simple? Yep, exactly. <laughs> um, what's a good kitchen tip that you can share?
1: Um just just you know set yourself up for success with what you buy. What you buy is gonna dictate what you're gonna cook. So, mm-hmm. not so much a kitchen tip, but more of like if you want to change your lifestyle, if you want to prepare different things or eat different things, then put different things in your kitchen.
0: I love that. Every week, or lately I haven't been just because it's been a busy summer, but I usually try to share five little things, something that made me smile during the week. Was there anything that made you smile this week?
1: My daughter makes me smile every week.
0: (laughs) Of course.
1: (laughs) Um, yeah, just, uh, just watching, watching, uh, her blossom is, you know, it's just, it's something new every day. It's like, wow, that is a little person that we created and it's pretty darn cool. It's like seeing a, a new version. It's almost like you can, you can help this secondary version of yourself come into the world and, and, um, I just treasure that time.
0: Yeah. It's a little miracle, well, Ariel, I really, really enjoyed talking to you. Where can everyone find you and your book? Uh, well, you can find me uh, on Facebook and Instagram,
1: Chef Ariel Fox. And you can find Spice Kitchen pretty much everywhere where books are sold.
0: Awesome. Well, good luck with the book. And I'm so excited to cook from it. And it's great to chat with you.
1: Thank you so much. Thank you for having me.
0: I'm so glad you're able to join us on this episode of Kitchen Confidant. Chef Ariel's cookbook is truly a breath of fresh air, and I know I can't wait to cook from it, starting with those cassava pancakes. I want to thank you for listening, and thank Chef Ariel for joining us today. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to rate it and review it and share it with a friend and join us again next time. Until then, happy cooking.